Uh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is that, um, yeah, some of you are, some of y'all knew, you're asking, what does RUF do? What are we doing here? Um, I'll just put it this way. Christians do things that feel weird a lot of the time. <laughs> um, we do things that, that a lot of times the people coming in and visitors like, why are they standing and singing together? Like that can feel and be kind of weird. Um, or like, why do they read this book and study it so much? That seems strange. Um, why do they pray? Like, what is this prayer thing? So um, I know that what we do here at RUF can feel different. It can feel weird. It can push you. Um, and I encourage you two things. One, stick with it. Stick with it. Keep coming back. Uh, kind of, in a sense, like submit to the program, and it'll start to make sense. And you'll start to see, like, wow, I'm actually changing because of these things that, that I'm participating in. And second, ask questions. Like, ask, if you're like, why do we do this? What does this mean? Um, ask one of the worship team, ask me, uh, and we're, we're happy to talk about it. Um, Christians have been doing this kind of thing for a long time, um, and so uh, there's normally a reason for it. So, okay, so um, this last couple of weeks, uh, this semester, we've been studying the book of Leviticus. Levit- Leviticus is a book in the Bible um, that's pretty old. Uh, it's in one of the older books, and... Um, like we said a lot, it's, it's kind of an odd book, but I think is, I hope that you've seen like it actually still really applies a lot to where we are today uh, as college students. And so we're going to keep looking at this, um, this book and we're going to keep digging into it. So um, kind of the main question that we've been looking at is that the Israelites, the ethnic people of Israel, uh, are asking a question. How do we deal with sin? How are we going to deal with sin? And God, over the past couple of weeks, has been laying out to them a series of animal sacrifices that they can do to deal with, that they can, yeah, they do to deal with their sin. And we've seen that those were then, and now, because of Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate perfect sacrifice, that Jesus died on the cross as the sacrifice, and the animal sacrifices were a way to anticipate or shadows that pointed to Jesus. And so we're going to continue looking at that this week. And, and the, the way I want to look at it tonight is I want to... Um, Talk about something that's very common to all of us, um, an exam, exams or tests. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, some of you remember, uh, not weeks ago, months ago, some of you remember that I was studying for this massive, I mean, just massive exam to be a pastor. It's called ordination. Um, it's a series of written exams. Uh, there's seven written exams and then, a, and then an oral exam. And so I studied for this thing for nine months. And I worked really hard at it. And it was grueling. I did not enjoy one minute of it. Um, I had prepared as well as I knew. Like, I'd worked as, as hard as I knew. I'd gone to seminary at graduate school for three and a half years studying theology. So I was like, all right, it comes down to this. Here we go. And I will never forget walking into the exam room and sitting down and the guy for the oral exam and these, and these godly, wise, smart people sitting down next to me and they were getting ready to examine me. And I, and I, and I was thinking like, Man, was that all enough? Like, did I study enough? Will, will this work? Like, three, four years of my life, is this going to pay off? Like, is it going to work? And it just being like, oh, man, here we go. I don't know if this is actually going to work. Did I do enough? And, and, and I, I mean, y'all go through this. You're going to go, a lot of you are going to go through this week, right? Maybe not quite on that scale, but you're going to have an exam, and you're going to ask, like, did all that study I did, will it work? Did, is it actually going to pay off? Will I be vindicated? 
And it's not just in exams. I think we all go through this sort of experience often where we ask, like, is this going to work out? Whatever it is. Like, college, in a sense, is a giant gamble that, like, am I going to get a job? (laughs) Am I going to, is this going to work out? Uh, Or um, is this diet going to work? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Will I get a a paper, a good grade on this paper that I need? Will this degree get me a job? Um, Over and over again, I think we're asking questions of like, is this going to work? And we don't know. We're just not sure whether or not it, whatever it is, is going to work. And that's the question that's on Israel's mind tonight. They're coming to God and they're going to ask a question. Is this going to work out? And the stakes are high. The past few weeks, we've been studying these various animal sacrifices that Israel goes, uh, is supposed to do. They're supposed to do this burnt sacrifice and this, uh, this other kind of sacrifice and this peace offering. And up until now, it's all been theoretical. Like, it's basically been God saying, here's what you do in this one, here's what you do in this one, and here's what it all means. But it's all in theory, right? It's like the difference between uh, brain surgery, studying heart surgery and doing heart surgery. You can know all about it, but until you get up to it and you got a scalpel on your hand, you're like, is this actually going to work out? (laughs) And the stakes are high. So God has given his people all of these tools to deal with sin, all of these sacrificial tools to deal with sin. And tonight we pick up the story. This isn't just law that he's giving them. Now we're actually walking in the story of what happened in the Israelites' life. Is it going to work? Is this going to work out? So let me, let me read this text, and then we'll go from there. So if you have your bulletin, uh, look with me at it. And this is God's word. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. And he said to Aaron, Take for yourself a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without blemish, and offer them before the Lord. And say to the people of Israel, Take a male goat for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, both a year old without blemish, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before the Lord, and a grain offering mixed with oil, for today the Lord will appear to you. And so they brought, they brought what Moses commanded in front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing that the Lord commanded you to do, that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. Then Moses said to Aaron, Draw near to the altar and offer your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people. And bring the offering of the people and make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that in your goodness and your grace, you still speak to us, even through this book, um, that somehow mysteriously your Spirit uses these words to speak and to penetrate into our lives. We pray that that would happen tonight for our good and your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, what's happening here? What's happening here? Well, essentially, everything that we've been studying up the past few weeks is going live. Right? So we've been studying these, these animal sacrifices, and all of a sudden now, in a story, like in, but in, in like real life, God says, okay, now go do it. Now it's gonna, let's go test this thing out. Is it going to work? And remember what we've said, the stakes are high. If this doesn't work, God's total holiness will consume and destroy the Israelites. 
So the stakes are pretty high, right? It's like the difference between heart surgery and doing heart, knowing heart surgery and doing heart surgery, like I said. It's, now they're like, okay, we've got to do this. And we've we got to figure out, is this going to work? Are we going to be able to deal with our sin? It's time to deal with it. So look at verse 2. And he said, Take a bull calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Look at verse 4. An ox, and take an ox and a ram for a peace offering. That's what we've been studying. These different ways that God has said, here's how we're going to deal with your guilt and your shame and your sin. Let's do this. Let's deal with it. Is it going to work out? And so look at verse 5 and 6. They brought what Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. Verse 6, And Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded to you to do, that the glory of the Lord may not appear before you. They would have been terrified. Think about that. This is the glory of God that destroyed the entire Egyptian nation. This is the glory of God that came down on Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments so that the whole mountain shook so much that they said, We're not going near that mountain. Anything that goes on that mountain dies. And now all of a sudden it's like, and God, this glory, they're they're standing and there's nothing but a piece of fabric, a tent between them. Do you sense the tension here? They're like, oh man, here we go. Stakes are high. Are we going to get burned? Are we going to get burned? This perfect holiness of God, this consuming holiness of God is right in front of us. What's going to happen? What's going to happen I hope you feel the tension of this moment. They certainly did. How many of y'all saw Mission Impossible 7? Love that movie. I watched it actually three times in one week. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. So I, I, You saw it six times, Josh? Oh, six. Sorry, Mission Impossible 6. Anyways, I really loved it. Um, <laughs> they don't all run together. Um, <laughs> So anyways, it's got this, I mean, it's, in, in my opinion, one of the most intense Mission Impossible movies. It's so good. But there's this, ele- there's this part at the end where Tom Cruise is hanging off this helicopter, and they're like flying through mountains and just whipping all around, and there's this, you know, it's like, it sounds bad when I describe it, but like, there's like a bomb ticking down, <laughs> and it's going to like blow up and ruin the world, and like, Everything's on the line. And I remember the first time I see that, just dying. Like, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, it's not going to work this time. And then the second time, be like, I remember it worked, but I don't know how. And the third time, I mean, it's like, it's so intense. Like, I just burn sticks of deodorant while I'm watching this movie. Because <laughs> it's so, so intense. And uh, I was just thinking, like, how is he going to pull this off? How is this going to work out in Tom Cruise's favor? That's the kind of tension but on a like a national and ethnic level <laughs> that's on play here tonight is this going to work out the question is will this work will we be atoned will we will these sacrifices work or will we be consumed by god so what happens well we read the first 7 verses i won't read the rest of it but um, verses 8 through 21 Aaron goes through the process. He goes and does all these sacrifices that we've read about. He kills a bunch of animals. And, and, and the goal is saying, like, okay, God, this animal is supposed to take our sin on it, and you will be angry. You, your wrath will go on the sin and not go on us. Remember, we've talked a lot about this. This idea of deferred wrath, that God's wrath goes on to the animal and not on to the Israelites. So he goes and does this process. And... Uh, 
then they go in, like it says here, it says they go into the tent of meeting and it's like, well, will it work? And before we get to the end, I want to hover in that spot of will it work for a minute? Because I think, I think that's a question that you and I experience a lot on a lot of different levels. The Israelites felt it 3,500 years ago where they're like, is this going to work out? And I think, I think we do too. And not just on the level of like grades. I think we ask the same question, is this going to work out? And we're trying to get the same thing, which is atonement. Atonement. Now, hang with me. Hang with me here. What do I mean by that? What do I mean? Well, what, we have to remember what atonement is. Remember what atonement is. Atonement is a permanent and total declaration of worth and value and of acceptance of being loved, of being cherished. It's an eternal and it, it can't be changed. This declaration from someone more powerful and bigger than you that says you're worthy, you're accepted, you're in, you're loved, you're valuable. Now, if we put it in those terms, that's what, if that's what atonement is. Y'all, we are totally all looking for that, right? I know I am. We're constantly asking is this, is it going to work? Is this going to pay off so that I get the acceptance that I'm looking for, the value, the worth that I'm looking for? Here's a test. I'm going to try and put it in the non-religious terms. Here's a test that, uh, to ask yourself to see if you're looking for atonement. Are you ready for it? Here's a test. When I accomplish X, then I will be Y. When I accomplish X, then I will be Y. So here's some examples. This stings, y'all. I was wrecked by this today. When I get an A, then I'll be smart. When I get a girlfriend or boyfriend, then I'll be valuable. When I look a certain way physically, then I'll be valuable. When my friends like me, then I'll be worthwhile. If I get into grad school, then I'll be smart enough. When my parents approve of me, then I'll be loved. When I earn six six figures, then I'll be successful. When I get my dream job, then I'll be good enough. When my art is in a famous museum, then I'll be good enough. When I stop sinning, then I'll be okay. Y'all, I hope... (laughs) I mean, I read that and it hits me hard. Because that's exactly... that's, my, that's how I live. I remember when I was a kid, I was like nine, I was nine years old. I remember this so clearly. I've done so much counseling on this, and it's still, I feel it. I, I remember I was nine. I struggled with math. I wasn't real good at math. And um, I remember I was fighting with some math. I'm a philosopher by nature, so I wanted to know why does two plus two equal four? I get it, I get it that it does, but why does it, why does it work this way? And I was really fighting with it, and then one day I got really discouraged and I just kind of had this discouragement hit me, and I was just like, I'm no good at math. I'm a failure. I'm not smart. And then the next moment, I made a vow to myself that, Jonathan, you will never fail academically. You do whatever it takes to not fail academically. And I was like, okay, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a go at it. I'm going to work my butt off to be valuable and worthwhile academically. And y'all, I did okay at it. I went to a school, a pretty good school in New York City. I had a good GPA. I looked really good. And you know what? At the end of the day, I still wanted to jump off a bridge my junior year of college. And I was close to it because it wasn't enough. 
it wasn't enough. I'd worked my butt off to, to fulfill this vow, to get that declaration of, Jonathan, you're smart because you got... Now, you could look at me and say, Jonathan, you're just a basket case that needs counseling. Well, guess what? I think that's all of us. If I'm honest, if you're honest, we're all digging for that question of, is this going to work out? Am I going to be okay? Will this work? Even today, when I was writing this sermon, I had this feeling of like, Jonathan, if this sermon doesn't work, then you're a failure. And there it is again. Everything that I do is just this this pressure. Will you be okay? Are you a good pastor? What's that thing for you? That thing that you say, when I get X, then I will be Y. We all have it. We're all looking for that final declaration. We're looking for that atonement. We're looking for that perfect, unconditional, complete declaration of acceptance and love and worth, whatever it is. And at the core of all of it, our hearts, our hearts desperately desire for that atonement, for that total vindication, for that love, that value and acceptance. That's what the Israelites were feeling in front of a tent. Is this going to work out? Are we going to get atoned? That's what you and I feel every darn day. Right? At least that's me. I'm a super angsty person, but I think that's a lot of us. One of the main things that I talk with students a lot about on campus <clears throat> is stress. This is a stress-filled environment that we're in. Everyone here is tired and stressed. And why is everyone stressed? It's because we're all at this moment constantly where Israel is at, where we're like, we're asking, is this going to work out? Is my test going to be enough? Is my homework going to be enough? Is it going to be enough to pay off? Is this going to make me good enough? All in, underneath all of our rushing that we're doing on campus that makes us so darn stressed is, is this going to work? Is it going to pay off? And the Christian gospel says that anything that does not deal with sin is not going to work. Just like I was rushing around trying in college to say that I'm smart enough by getting a GPA. It's two dang letters. It didn't work because it wasn't dealing with the heart problem. It wasn't dealing with my sin. It wasn't dealing with the problems that I was having with my God and Father. That's the, that's, the, that's the core of it. And that's what the Israelites got here. They understood that they had to deal with sin. This is like the one, maybe two times in Israelites' history where they got it right. All the other times, they completely blew it. But I'm afraid a lot of the times you and I are blowing it. We're running around looking for all these other things that to say, this is what's going to, if I get X, then I'll be Y. When the reality, what we actually need to do is reconcile with God. Deal with our sin. Deal with our mistrust of God. That is the core of the human condition. And what's the proof? Well, no matter what happens, when you get Y, it's not enough. It's just never enough. And there's tons of examples of this. But listen to this quote from Madonna, the Madonna, a couple years ago. She said this, My drive in life comes from the fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being. But then I feel that I'm mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though if I'm becoming somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended and I guess it never will. Holy moly, this is Madonna. Like, this is the person who, maybe one of five women who has made it in her industry. Like, shaped 
20, 30 years of pop music, and she's saying, didn't made up, didn't, it wasn't enough. Because she still hadn't gotten that vindication of you're good enough. And because, that's because the only thing that can fill that hole, the only thing that can fill that hole is when your God and Father and Creator says, I love you. I accept you. Not based on your performance, but based on my love for you. Stop, period. The problem is not our performance, it's, it's our sin, it's our trust. We fool ourselves when we think that grades or relationships or job or success or money is the problem. It's, it's deeper than that. And, and Israel gets that. They understand that their atonement has to deal with sin. That they have to get that declaration of your sin is dealt with and you are loved. Your sin is dealt with and you are accepted. And they get that. So here they are, standing on the edge of this curtain. They've done the steps, and now they've given the sacrifice, and they're like, is it going to work out? Well, listen to what happens. This is verse 22. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting, and when they came out, they blessed the people. And listen closely. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Here it is. And the fire came out from beyond before the Lord and consumed what? The people? No. The burnt offerings and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. It worked. It worked before Israel. All of a sudden, these graces, these sacrifices that God had given them, they worked. Israel's like, our sin's been dealt with. We are reconciled with God. We are accepted, loved, valuable, cherished by the God of the creation. It worked. It paid off. We call this substitutionary atonement, that God's wrath, which was which comes after Israel, comes, no, not for Israel, but comes after the sacrifice. And they got that perfect, complete, valuable declaration that they needed. And they get life. So here's Israel. They, they, they offer a bull. They offer a, a cow and a sheep and they get it. How much more do we as Christians get that verdict Get that atonement through Jesus Christ who was the perfect and complete and total sacrifice. They had to do this all the time. They had to bring cows and sacrifices. They had to do it all the time because they were constantly sinning. They constantly needed to have that peace reestablished. They needed that atonement verdict. But then Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, offers Himself on a cross, dies, and gives the eternal verdict to His people. I love you. I accept you. You are valuable and loved to me. Trust in that. Here is the atonement. We have a better sacrifice. We have the perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For our sake God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes our sin on Himself and gives us His righteousness. And when that happens, we're atoned with God. And when God looks at us, He sees Christ. And when He looks at Christ, He sees our sin. Now, how do we get that? We trust. We can't do anything. 
You and I are powerless to get that verdict. All we can do is say, Jesus, please help me. I trust. I see that I can't do it on my own. I can't get that statement on my own. I can't get that value and acceptance. All I can do is trust that you have done it for me. And when we do that, what does it mean? It means that you and I don't have to rush around. We don't need to run around and feel the need to earn our own vindication, to earn our acceptance. Jesus gives it to us freely. Imagine this. If the God of the universe comes and says, I love you, I love you. So what if you get a 3.2 versus a 3.5? So what if someone says, I don't like you? The God of the universe loves you. So what if you don't get that dream job? You have an eternity of glory with God awaiting you. It's the eternal vindication, the eternal acceptance that makes all the other stuff just fade away. In Jesus... What was, when you have X, you get Y. When you have X, you will be Y. That test becomes the God of the universe loves you. Rest in that, period, full stop. And when we know that, we can rest. We can stop and we worship God. That's what Israel does, right? Did you notice what they did? When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. And they worship They fall on their faces and they worship. Y'all, this is powerful stuff. This is life-changing stuff that the Gospel offers us. It means that there can be rest and relief from all the striving that that you and I are trying to get in the simple rest of trusting and relying that Jesus loves us, that He took our sin on himself and gives us his righteousness and that makes us lovable. Man, we can rest in that. But it takes work. It takes effort. It takes community. I was really discouraged today. I needed my wife to encourage me. You will have days where you're really discouraged. You need your friends to encourage you to preach the gospel to you when the clouds are heavy. So stick with it. Stick with it. Find those people who will tell you the gospel even when you don't believe it yourself. Listen to these words. I'm going to close with this. Listen to these words from one of the hymns we sing here. Upon a life I have not lived, upon a death I did not die. Another's life, another's death, I stake my whole eternity. Not on the tears that I have shed, not on the sorrows I have known. Another's tears, another's griefs. On these I rest, on these alone. O Jesus, Son of God, Build on what thy cross has done for me. There both my life, there both my death and life I read, my guilt and pardon there I see. Lord, I believe, O deal with me as one who has thy word believed. I take the gift, Lord. Look on me as one who has thy gift received. O Jesus, Son of God, I build on what thy cross has done for me. There both my death and life I read, my guilt And my pardon there I see. This week, y'all, when you find yourself slipping into that, will this work? Or when I get X, then I'll be Y. Stop. Pause. Remember, for those of you who know and trust Jesus, feast on His love. And for those of you who don't know or or know you don't, think about that. Think about the acceptance, the love that is offered on Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thanks for this text. Thanks for what it shows us.
that we can get off the performance treadmill, that we can trust that you have atoned for our sins and made peace with you through Jesus. Father, help us to believe that more in the very real mundane things of our lives that uh, distract us. Help us to be a people who are marked by reminding each other and preaching the gospel to each other. And help us to believe it ourselves. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you all could